Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, welcome back to the Phoenix Concussion Recovery and Concussion Talk podcast. We're so excited to be back for another round. Today we wanted to talk about uh, psychological interventions after head injury, but also this information is helpful for anybody um, who needs any help. So we know that one in three people will actually be diagnosed with a mental health condition in their lifetime. So you don't have to have had a head injury to need these services. But of course, we know that living with head trauma um, can have some psychological impacts as well. It's important that we talk about the fact that Talk therapy is what most people know as counseling services. So you sit in a room, you talk about your feelings, and this could go on for, you know, once a week for the rest of your life. You know, if you live in New York, like I used to, your therapist has a therapist kind of thing, right? Um, But that's not what these evidence-based treatments are. That's not taking any value away from talk therapy. But when we ask our patients to go and see a counselor, it's for cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, and it's also for EMDR which stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing therapy. So we send them there to the specialized therapist for a dose and a frequency of typically once a week for anywhere from four to 12 weeks, depending on the severity of their trauma. It's very different than just standard talk therapy, which used to be the standard of care. We now have enough studies that tell us that CBT and EMDR are more beneficial, and we get to that end place much faster, um, much more efficiently. So cognitive behavioral therapy, the, the, basically the crux of it is that it helps us get off those negative super highways in our brain. So the more that we do a thought pattern or the more that we respond to a stimulus the same way over and over again, we get on basically a super highway in our brain of negative thoughts and emotions. These can be conscious, but they can also be subconscious. So sometimes patients aren't even aware of the fact that they're having an anxiety condition or that they're feeling depressed because it starts to become a normal pattern of behavior for them. An event can cause this physical or emotional distress. So if we have a head injury, we can have physical problems, like our eyes aren't working right, our balance isn't right, maybe our speech is impaired or our memory, but then we can also have this emotional distress that we may or may not be aware of. And so it's really important that we heal both our physical person and our mental person in order for us to get completely better. Um, We can have this injured person model. We can develop a sick role model. We can develop anxiety because we're overstimulated. Or maybe we're depressed because we're not the same person after our head injury. You can also develop a stress response because daily stimuli are more stressful. They're more overstimulating than they should be. So going to the grocery store can cause an anxiety attack 
or a panic attack. Going to the grocery store could also just subconsciously cause an arousal state in your body where your heart rate quickens. And you start to develop patterns where your brain knows that you're going to have this physical response. And so it creates mental barriers and it creates emotional barriers to try to protect itself. But we actually can do more harm than good when we develop these barriers. So cognitive behavioral therapy is going to work to get us off that superhighway. And we're going to develop better patterns to combat what we have developed abnormally after our head injury. Um, when we go through cognitive behavioral therapy, basically what your therapist is going to do is they're going to help you work through what was the situation, what were your thoughts about that situation. So I went to the grocery store, what were my thoughts? Oh my goodness, I'm going to be overstimulated, it's going to be really crowded. Or maybe your thoughts were just like, hey, I'm going to hammer this thing out and I'm going to get in there, and then once you get in there, you get overwhelmed. What were the bodily sensations? So what did you physically feel? Did you feel a pit in your stomach? Did you feel a lump in your throat? What emotions were you feeling? What behaviors? How did you respond to that stimulus? And so this therapist is going to help you move through what is that secular pattern of behavior, and then how can we attack that pattern of behavior and change it and bring you back to a normal response to stimulus? You're going to have worksheets. You're going to have homework. So again, it's not just sitting there talking about your feelings, which can be really overwhelming to patients. And patients can actually be really resistant to that because our society, at least in the U.S., is telling us that needing mental help is actually a weakness. And that's not the case at all. Everybody needs help every once in a while. Maybe you're going to vision therapy, you're working on your eyes, and you also need to go to counseling, and you need to work on your, um, your psychological impact from your trauma. So you're going to get your homework. You're going to do your education every day. You're going to work through these thoughts, the behavior, the emotion, the bodily reaction, until you develop a new superhighway over time where you're able to deal with these traumas in a more concrete way and you're able to move through your other types of therapy more efficiently because if we're constantly in a state of stress, if we're constantly in a state of heightened arousal, your other therapies actually can't work as well. Your other therapies can't do what they need to do because your body isn't in a healing state. Your body is constantly being pumped with cortisol and your brain's not making new connections. So you have to find a way to normalize the need for therapy, get people really great services, and help these people heal both from a conscious, a subconscious, and a state of arousal. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay, Lorna, just as Nick, Nick, for everyone else, and Lorna knows, but everyone else is Nick Mercer. Chime in, uh, just a couple of questions about that, because as, as I mentioned in my blog, well, just my post about this, I have, this is a, the first I've really heard about this, not heard about it, but delved into it. Um, so do you, do you, like, as a physiotherapist, do you work with the cognitive behavioral therapist as as a not work with them as individually, but send patients to them, and do they send yeah. you back patients and say, okay, they need to work on this exercise to help them calm down or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we have a team of therapists that um, we refer to. I've always practiced that way. It's actually really hard. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the U.S., it's actually really hard to find quality therapists. Um, so that's one of the big things is here insurance can be a barrier. Um, finding therapists who can do these highly skilled treatments versus just the talk therapy can be really challenging. So um, over the last five or five years or so, we've developed some really great referral sources. Um, we have both some private sector people and then we have some people who work through one of our community resources. Sometimes it can be really hard. A patient might already be in therapy. They might have been seeing a talk therapist for the last year or two years dealing with other, you know, maybe it's a teenager with an anxiety disorder. But then you go to talk to them and you find out that their therapist is not doing these evidence-based treatments. 
And that can bring an even bigger barrier because now I have to talk to that patient about changing their therapist, even though they feel really comfortable with the person that they are seeing for these temporary treatments. And then they can go back and do the maintenance therapy with talk therapy because some conditions aren't just going to have a, a dose of six sessions and be completely better. Um, if you have a history of anxiety or a history of depression, you might need some maintenance, you know, once a month or once every couple months to check in. And so we'll refer to our referral source and then we'll allow people to go back to their typical therapist that they're being seen. So it could be a plethora of different things. It could be that I just refer out for CBT and EMDR, or it could be that um, the person's already seeing someone I refer away for these specialized treatments and then the patient goes back to their typical person. So will that will that replace a physiotherapy session, or because there's always, of course, the danger of too much therapy, right? Hard ever, but like I mean, will that will uh, CBT replace a session of not replace fully, but I mean just a session? So if you're if you're doing three sessions a week of physio, and you do say one session of CBT, would that be one CBT and one three and two physio then? So I never, um, I never see people more than once a week unless it's a very rare okay. situation. If it's early on and we're treating, you know, a whiplash injury or we're treating TMJ, um, if someone has a jaw issue, then they might be seeing one member of my of a, of the team of care. Oh, sorry, for I just want to just say what uh, TMJ. And it's a temporal mandibular joint, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so your jaw. So people yeah. can have headaches um, related to jaw pain, which is another – we should actually do a whole podcast on that because that's oh, actually God. fascinating with head injuries. Right, no problem. Um, that would <laughs> And a very under-recognized uh, area for treatment. Um, but basically what I'm trying to say is EMDR and CBT could be one of your sessions a week. It depends on the motivation of the patient, and it depends on how far out the patient is from their injury. So I only see people um, historically once a week for a couple weeks, and then I actually see them every other week. And my patients always do 20 minutes of homework a day because it's actually small amounts a day is what makes changes. If you saw me once a week, we would have to see each other for like 6, 12 months to make any yeah. significant changes. So if the patient is motivated and their life circumstances allow it, the most therapy they would have is about three sessions a week, maybe one ortho one with me, um, and then one with psych. If they're far enough into my program, they might be seeing me twice a month already. So then the every other week they could see their psychologist. So we try to spread it out. You're completely right. Too much therapy can actually impact quality of life because now they're missing more work and they're missing more school and they feel overwhelmed by the amount of homework. So just, it's a patient by patient situation where you just have to make the best choices, and then the patient has to be actively involved because I can refer people for psychological therapy all day, but if they're not going to be an active participant and give to the therapist what they want to receive, it's really a waste of everybody's time. So I always tell them, you know, if this is a therapy that we're going to seek out and you have to see the value in it and you have to commit to it because you can, you can just phone in psych treatments all day, but you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So should we move on to EMDR, or um, do you have any more questions I about? Don't right now. I think as I wish I'll have some more next next podcast, but uh, <laughs> about this, I'll have to email you and stuff. And you can, but uh, yeah, so we must well move on to EMDR now. And um, I don't think I'll have, now I think of EMDR, so I don't have any more CUD questions. But uh, I encourage everyone, everyone who's listening to to tweet uh, Lauren about if they have. CUT questions at uh, Lauren. What's your email? Your tweet. Your Twitter it's, handle. 
at LZ Concussion. So LZ Concussion um, is my Twitter handle, and I would be happy to answer any questions through there. Well, great. That's the best. That's the best way I can really worry or afford the Facebook page or Phoenix Concussion Recovery Facebook page, Phoenix Concussion Recovery, and ask you there. But, but otherwise, I can't. I can't think of any more name or questions I have. So. I guess it's time to move on to your EMDR. Which, okay. Yeah. So EMDR is a fascinating treatment, and um, we've been using it more and more over the last couple of, well, not we, I've been referring for it more and more. I can't do EMDR. All I can do is recognize that someone might need it, talk to the doctor about it, and then we can refer on um, for counseling services. So EMDR, when we, when, if you do know what it is, you might be thinking of it as for major trauma. So EMDR was developed um, with the U.S. Department of Service, uh, Department of Defense, the DOD, and um, some psychologists helping to create treatment services for people with post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly veterans. Um, you also might think about it in the situation with rape or other major traumas. Um, we also now know that we can use it for what's called a microtrauma. So you can process through an event, how you feel about it, what you believe about it, um, using these bilateral or side-to-side -side movement patterns. So it's not only for major trauma. However, if you were in a major car accident and that's how you had your head injury, I would consider that to be a major trauma. And you might not even consciously be aware of how your brain has processed those memories and how much that impacts your daily life moving forward. So with EMDR, the crux of it is that you use these paddles so that stimulate hand-to-hand -hand or bilateral movements, or the classic way is with eye movements. But what's really great is that the eye movements might not be tolerated by people with head injuries. So there are other types of stimulation that you can use. Um, so you're going to work through the trauma. So you have these you have these eye movements side to side, or you have these paddles left and right, left and right, buzzing in your hands, and then you go through a subconscious thought. You, you kind of just go through a, a free-flowing thought process. So your subconscious is able to come through. So if I'm doing talk therapy, I'm sitting there and I'm able to direct the conversation because my, my thoughts are much more conscious and I have my belief patterns about them. When I'm doing EMDR, my subconscious thoughts that I might be repressing are coming to the surface. So they'll talk to you about what are your thoughts about that trigger? What are your thoughts about that memory? How do you feel about that memory? Um, and then you're able to let that trauma come forward and you're able to be honest about what is my frame of reference about that trauma. What we know now is that your hippocampus is what creates these memories and there's some sort of misfiring that happens when there's a traumatic experience and you're actually quote unquote frozen in time. So your brain doesn't process that memory and store it away in that library catalog like it's supposed to. The trauma stays fresh and ever present, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and you're frozen. So when you go and you drive by that street that your car accident was on, or if you go to that same field where your catastrophic knee injury and head injury were on for soccer, you actually might have flashbacks of the images that you saw at that time. You might have flashbacks of the sounds or the smells or the feelings. You might get that lump in your throat even though you're totally fine, right? And people who have these post-traumatic stress responses will completely understand what I'm talking about. So you'll work through with these bilateral movement patterns. You work first through the trauma and you bring up whatever your brain wants to bring up. And then you continue to work through those feelings until you've been desensitized. So your midbrain is firing over and over again with these bilateral pathways. It goes up to your hippocampus and you actually are desensitizing your brain to that trauma. It is 
fascinating when you really think about what is happening and what they've been able to unlock. Yeah. And it kind of uses that same idea as REM sleep, right? So we have rapid eye movement in REM sleep, and that's when our brain is sorting through all of our memories for the day, and we're converting short to long-term memory, and our brain is healing. And we talked about in our um, exercise one in our sleep podcast about how we have all those little cleaner crew that come in and fix our brain while we're sleeping. And so we're using that same sort of mechanism when we do the EMDR. So... First, you have to you do have to dig up all the the bad. You got to dig up the bad and work through that. And then what the therapist is going to do is have you use the same patterns to associate a positive belief and a positive feeling with your um, way that your brain is processing that response. So you're going to work through thoughts like "I did my best." Or you're going to work through thoughts of "I I am worthy" or self worth or whatever the feeling is um, that you might have that was negative. You're going to work through that opposite feeling with that bilateral movement pattern until your brain actually reprocesses. So that's the R of EMDR. Your brain will actually reprocess the way that it reacts and responds to that memory or event. So you're still going to remember the event, but you're going to remember it differently. You're going to respond to it differently, and you're going to be able to actually move forward with your life because your brain will be able to put that traumatic memory into the card catalog like it does all other memories. And it frees up that space, and you won't have the subconscious arousal state whenever you drive by that street. So you're going to drive by that street and know that that's the street your car accident happened on, but you're not going to drive by that street and enter into a state of arousal and smell the smells and hear the sounds and feel all the feels that you were feeling in the past. So you break those patterns, and we make new patterns. Instead, we get on a new superhighway. I want to warn people um, that it can be a really intense process. Especially what can happen is a patient comes in and they had an accident of some sort. They slipped and fell and now they have this sick role model. They've been injured for a year. They've subconsciously created negative patterns. But perhaps they had a trauma also earlier in their life, which as we talked about with CBT, the way that our superhighways are formed with these traumas over time will actually influence the way that we respond to traumas in the future. So somebody might go to EMDR for their slip and fall, and as they're processing through EMDR, they realize, I've had this mindset for a long time because of this trauma in my childhood or because of this history um, with whatever a trauma might be. I don't want to get too specific just because I want to be careful about um, people's past experiences and things like that. But it might dig up some old subconscious things that you didn't even realize were related and you will then be able to work through those traumas as well to break those patterns of behavior. But that means that this process might be much more intense for some people who have a more, um, they have a more of a past with trauma. They have more of a, thank you, I was looking for a (laughs) a friendly way to say that. So people who have a longer history might have more of a severe experience and also people who have attached their personal worth to their injury, that sick role model, the injured person model, might have a more traumatic experience. But what's great is that you're able to work through it. So no matter how bad the past was, and no matter how related it is to this current trauma, you're able to work through it with this incredible therapy and come out on the other side a healthier person, a more whole person, a more relaxed and calm person who's able to get better. Um, any questions so far about any of those things? Uh, a lot. That's uh, <laughs> that's because uh, I mean, personally, I've I don't know it's been it's been it's now six so it's almost sixteen years almost since fifteen and a half years since my over the video almost sixteen years since my injury, sixteen years and three quarters actually, 
Um, or no, two thirds. No, three, no, three quarters, no, three quarters is right the first time. Um, and so, and I'm very happy with my, my, where I am psychologically, I'm very, I'm a happy guy. I'm, and I think is, I don't remember that, that my accident at all. I remember the day, I know that the day, I remember again, Haley, Bailey, just like with a normal day. And I don't remember the accident. I don't remember going on the bike at all that day. But I, I know I did, and I, I can remember my, my, uh, my parent in Victoria, and uh, remember that part. But so, but I don't really know if some kind of thing now. If, if because I don't remember that because I don't remember remember that. Do you think that's why? Not do you think, but that may not be. A, wouldn't want to try to bring that bring it up if I don't have to because it's not. A, <laughs> it's a, I'm well, I'm very happy with right now and. And I mean, I don't live near the accident anymore. I live in the opposite, opposite side of the country, so I can't pass by that scene or anything. But I've had a lot of eye, the surgeries and stuff, so a lot of things done to my eyes. And maybe that's changed some of my, I don't know how, but that maybe that's changed some of my, some of my, my thoughts about the about the incident. I, I know the incident, not so much the accident, as if that makes sense. Well, I know I that I was that, injured and stuff like that, but I don't really know. Remember the X, the X flags and this stuff. So I have a couple. You know, obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a licensed yeah. social worker. Yeah. I'm not a counselor. I'm just trying to educate people about yeah. EMDR yeah. and CBT. Just as a disclaimer before I give you my opinion. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course. Yes. But yeah. I actually believe that. So sometimes people have a really hard time when they don't remember their accident. It's something that they'll perseverate on. Like it's it's very emotional for them. But yeah. I think it's a protective mechanism. So yeah. I think that your brain doesn't remember your traumatic accident as a way yeah. of protecting you from that trauma. I That's also think enough. that, um, you know, it has to do with your personality too. Some people ride on that anxiety line. Some people are yeah. a little more type A, a little more tightly wound. And yeah. so they get affected more by bumps in the road. We know that people who have a history of anxiety will get better more slowly from their head injury. And we don't know exactly why that is just yet, but we do know that that's a predictive factor. I think yeah. it makes sense because their brain is already in that heightened state of arousal all the time. So it is much harder for their brain to heal and to make these new connections because they just respond so much more severely to everything. Um, so I think that for you, you came into it with maybe less trauma than some people might. Yeah, you definitely. don't remember the actual trauma and you're not constantly triggered by it. No. And then you have a really positive attitude and you have a positive attitude towards your recovery. And so I think that's probably why you're not the one in three who's going to be diagnosed with a mental health condition. But, you know, if there were two people sitting next to you, they might have been the two and three that would have, uh, the, the one of yeah. them might have been the one and three that would have been diagnosed. Yeah, it's, just, so, just, it's just luck. It's kind of yeah, like just, it's just and, luck. Uh, and, and it's nothing against the people who yeah. are the person, the one and three who will be diagnosed. Yeah. It's nothing against that person. It's not their fault. It's just their chemical makeup and their biology and the way that their brain makes connections. And so that's why I like to take the stigma and the shame away from, A, the people who do need the help. And then sometimes there are people who feel bad that they didn't end up having any of these problems and they shouldn't feel bad yeah. about that either. It's just yeah. one less, you know, you had to have eye surgery. Yeah. Maybe somebody who did, who had up with CBT doesn't have to have eye surgery. Yeah. So everybody's got their own ups and downs with this recovery process and, and nobody's, is, it takes away from anybody else's, you know, you just got lucky. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. Next, I'm just doing this concussion course from the university of Calgary, a free online concussion course. 
that University University of Calgary is putting forward. And uh, I'm doing, and yes, I did a a bit on management of concussions, and they're saying, and uh, Dr. Robert Zemek was talking about in Ottawa. He's an Ottawa uh, emergency room doctor and pediatrician, pediatric, pediatric emergency room doctor, and uh, he's saying they showing the the five P's of uh, I think it's not thousand of five P's. It was part of the five P's, but anyway, this is uh, that people recovering from concussions. People with, as you said, like the more simple, didn't say this word, but it's pretty meant that type A, type A personality, people with anxiety will have a longer, a longer time, a longer, a long predictive factor of, P, the C predictive, that's one of the five P's, P, yeah. pediatric predictive, uh, of a longer recovery from concussion. They have a, predict have a longer, longer recovery if they're yeah. one of the more, like you said, anxious there, type A. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. Type no. A people make the world go around, right? Yeah, but... sure do. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they just might need a little more help on the back end. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I want to just kind of get into who can get this treatment, how they get this treatment, and then we'll be able to summarize it up because I don't want this one to be an eternally long podcast for you poor listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so so we talked about how it could be intense. We talked about how you could have past trauma and also work through your current trauma, right? Um, and so the short-term distress is going to significantly improve your quality of life, and that's why even though you might have to go through a short pain point, it's really important that you do the work. Um, you can have PTSD. You can have an anxiety disorder. The EMDR will work for panic attacks. It will also work for what's called dissociative disorder. And when people have dissociative disorder, it's believed to be a protective mechanism. That's the most that I can speak to it because, again, it's not my specialty. But what patients will describe is that they feel like they're hovering above their body or they feel like they're outside of their body watching what's going on around them. They don't feel connected to their experiences. So that's a that's a brief explanation of dissociative disorder. So if that's you, if you sort of feel like you're walking around a fog all day, if you don't feel connected to your experiences, then you might want to go see, so you really should go see somebody, not you might want to. Uh, you should go see somebody and have these diagnoses, and then you can have a treatment uh, pattern created for you, and, the, and you can work through these things. It's not, a, it's not a death sentence. It's not a permanent thing. You can work through them. Um, it could also be used for performance anxiety in sport. So sometimes the teenagers who are very resistant to the idea of therapy, we'll recommend therapy in the context of sport. Hey, you've had trouble at the plate when you get ready to go and um, bat. How about we work through that part of your performance anxiety and that will carry over into your daily life. And then maybe the therapist, as they build a rapport, can work on some other things at the same time. And maybe they can't. Maybe they just work through that one piece, but they get an overall benefit in their life. It, of course, can be used for domestic abuse, sexual violence, um, to sexual abuse. Um, and it can also be used as a support system for chronic pain, which I thought was really fascinating. Makes perfect sense because we know the brain actually centralizes pain and becomes more sensitive to pain over time. So it does make sense that we could get off that pain superhighway. It can be used as a um, single treatment in isolation, although that's not very commonly seen. Um, I don't find that my patients experience that. But EMDR could be used as an isolated treatment. It works much better if it's done in conjunction with CBT. So you use the paddles or you use the eye movements. You bring up your subconscious thought. You work through that with positive reactions. And then you also get homework with worksheets from that cognitive behavioral therapy uh, to work through whatever's left over between sessions. And that seems to give patients the fastest, most efficient, and best recovery is when our therapists use those things in conjunction with each other. 
Um, it's usually a set number of sessions like we talked about in the beginning. So it might be four sessions. It might be 12 sessions. It will depend on the number of traumas that you have in your past and how severe they are. And also, it honestly depends on you and how much you commit to the therapy and how hard you work. Because if you show up and you phone it in, you're going to be there 16 times, which is expensive because in U.S. it's not always covered. These highly specialized services are not always covered on your insurance. So sometimes you are paying cash. I don't think they're in Canada either, but I'm not. Yeah. Someone, someone can correct me on that, but uh, sorry, go ahead. Which is, I think, um, one of our major health crises in the United States, at least, is that mental health services are not easily available. And we're seeing more and more the effects of mental health conditions. Um, you know, we, we see it through, unfortunately, attacks on people. Um, we see it through people suffering. We see it through drug addiction. We see it through suicide. We see it through people not functioning at their maximum capacity. So I, I really uh, would implore anybody who has any power to do something about it uh, to make mental health services more readily available for these people because, like we talked about, it's a set number of sessions and then your entire life can be better. So why is that not readily available? Yeah. yeah. Um, the last part that I want to talk about is that uh, is the research. So there's about 20 controlled studies that have been done. So we know that controlled research, controlled study research is the of the highest levels, right? Of course, then the systematic reviews are above that. But there's been over 20 studies that have found that EMDR can decrease or even eliminate symptoms of post-traumatic stress. So this is not just a whim. This is not just a recommendation. This is a strongly supported scientific method of treatment for people with psychological conditions. It's been approved by the American Psychiatric Association, the International Society for Traumatic Stress and Studies, the WHO, which is the World Health Organization, of course, the U.S. Department of Defa uh, Veteran Affairs and the Department of Defense, among many others worldwide. So CBT and EMDR specifically have been supported by all of these worldwide associations. And so these are the therapies that we would recommend to our patients. And then, of course, if you are a therapist out there, um, developing a network with your local concussion clinic would be a great referral source for you, but also a great way to help your community. And if you are a treating therapist out there, reaching out and finding really good services, and you might have to work through a couple people, um, but reaching out and finding some really good services would be, it would be an injustice to your patients to not do so. And I think that's a pretty strong statement, but that's truly how I personally feel about it. Um, so if you're struggling out there, it's never too late. Go on your, uh, if you're in the US and you don't know where to go, then go to your insurance provider's website and type in EMDR. And what I tell my patients is, okay, so you can't go to the Park City's Christian Health Center. Um, so maybe what we do is we, we go on your United Healthcare Services and you click on mental health and you type in EMDR. And I start with that one because that's the hardest certification to get. So if they can do EMDR, they can do everything else, right? Um, and you find a therapist that's accepting new patients that specializes in EMDR and you schedule an appointment. So you go to your insurance company provider, you type in EMDR, and you find a provider that can do it, and you start your services with that person. And again, sometimes you might have to pay cash, so just try to make the best out of every session that you go to and work through it. It's a finite number of sessions. It's worth the investment if it improves your mental, physical health, your your quality of life, and your overall well-being. So that's all I have for you on psychology. Any more I, questions? I will not not that, but... Uh... I just want to say that I agree completely with you about the importance of it. So in Canada, and I really don't have any idea how to find it, but it's just EMDR, Canada, Gov, or whatever, Canada, just not gov.ca. Uh, but just just type EMDR in Canada and you can Google and see what you come up with. But if someone has a 
Some, some, if there's a doctor or a therapist who has a better, no, anybody has a better idea of what to, what to, what to look for to find it, then please tweet me or tweet at me or Facebook. It's better to put on Facebook, probably Facebook or actually Twitter, probably just as well. But uh, yeah, so I think that's and it's basically just I mean, obviously it's readily available in Canada as in the U.S. because. There's more people in the U.S. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I encourage people, people to look for it, find out where you can, where you can find these treatments if they're, if they're available near you, or anywhere. If somebody knows, somebody knows, works in a hospital that has them, or works in a clinic that has these services, please let us know. Um, and uh, Lauren, I'll pass it back over to you to tell us about your your Facebook website, Twitter, Instagram your Harry Potter adventures. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can find our website at phoenixconcussionrecovery.com. Phoenix, like the city in Arizona or the bird, whichever is easier for you to spell. Uh, they're the same. So phoenixconcussionrecovery.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LZConcussion, and I'd be happy to respond back to you. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, but we are not as good about our Facebook page as Nick is with okay. Concussion Talk. So Concussion Talk's Facebook page might be better. Um, but those okay. are the ways to reach me. And I'm so happy to be back and able to talk to you guys about these ever-important services. Uh, message me if you have any questions. And thanks so much for listening. And thanks, Nick, for having us on your podcast. Well, thank you. I'm on your podcast. Now this is Peace <laughs> Concussion Recovery Podcast. So thanks. See ya. Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.